mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, for our inaugural podcast, we wanted to talk a little bit about ourselves so that you as our listeners know uh, that you're dealing with real professionals here when it comes to tech. Um, my first, very first uh, love with tech was uh, a BlackBerry. Uh, and no, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, it was a BlackBerry Pearl. Uh, I loved it. And then a buddy of mine recommended uh, this new crazy power phone that was coming out from uh, HTC called the Droid Incredible. Uh, so I got that. And it's beautiful 3.7-inch display uh, blew me away. And uh, I upgraded from there to the Galaxy Nexus, uh, dived a little bit into the rooting and roaming community, and then moved on to the LG G2, the LG G3, and my current phone is the Nexus 6P. Um, I love tech, mobile tech in particular, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to dive into it with, uh, with my, my friend and uh, fellow tech enthusiast. So um, that's me, and uh, here's Sean. I'm the other Sean, Sean P. Um, I started out with a uh, Droid X on Verizon. Uh, it had a 4.3-inch screen, and at the time, everyone made fun of me for how large the phone was, which in hindsight is hilarious. It's positively tiny by today's standards. Um, from there, I moved on to a Samsung Galaxy Note 2. Um, that was my first real unlocked phone. I went through all the you know, loading recovery and trying a ROM every other week stage, rooting it and all that fun stuff, um, sitting there white-knuckled, trying things, making sure I didn't brick my phone. Um, from there, I moved on to a Note 3, took a detour to a Nexus 6, and uh, I'm presently using a Note 5. Um, I would say I definitely have an unhealthy obsession with anything tech. Uh, I read everything that I possibly can about anything, even irrelevant things like Blackberries. And... Uh, yeah, excited to do this. So I'm going to hand it back to uh, the other Sean. Let's get this thing started. And uh, I can definitely vouch for uh, Sean P's unhealthy obsession uh, with all things tech. Um, he's even more obsessed than I am, and that's really saying something. So let's uh, let's kick it off. Let's get it started. Um, what do you think about the Galaxy S7 and the S7 Edge, dude? Look, I've had Samsung phones. This is my third Samsung phone. Um, I took a brief detour with the Nexus 6, and... Uh, it's that funny, went, everyone loves Nexus phones, and my worst experience with any phone was my Nexus 6. So <laughs> I was going to say, that went well, right? Yeah, so I, I was happy to return to Samsung, and I, I think people could accuse me of being a little bit of a fanboy, but um, I have good reasons. And, and namely, the first thing is, uh, I'm a screen whore. I mean that in the best possible way. But, <laughs> um, I think it goes without saying that Samsung screens presently in their flagships, you know, the best screen on the market is whatever the newest Samsung is. And uh, the Samsung Galaxy S7 and S7 Edge continue in that tradition. Um, you know, I, I feel like really they, Samsung listened to the feedback. You know, the Galaxy S5 came out and everyone made fun of the horrible, ugly Band-Aid design and, uh, and uh, the, you know, plastic. So they moved forward the Galaxy S6. And then people weren't happy because of the SD card and kind of the putrid battery life, but they mostly got it right. Um, and I feel with the S7, they really got it right. They focused on uh, you know bigger batteries, um, added SD support back in. Uh, they still have the best screens on the market. Um, you know the phone's got a little bit thicker to accommodate a bigger battery, which I think a lot of reviewers have been asking for for a long time. Phones have gotten so thin at the expense of a smaller battery, and Samsung. You know, took a step back, made the phones bigger, put in a better battery. Um, you know, 
people always have a love-hate relationship with TouchWiz. They've slimmed it down considerably over the generations. Uh, I understand what people don't like about it. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, money, no object. I think it's really hard to argue that the Galaxy S7, and especially the Galaxy S7 Edge, excuse me, Galaxy S7 Edge, um, are not the best phones on the market uh, as far as Android phones are concerned. So DisplayMate, which everybody knows is the uh, kind of the arbiter of all things display screen, uh, has ranked Samsung's AMOLED panels consecutively as each new generation comes out as best in class, best in the world. Um, the S7 is no exception. Um, the Galaxy S6 screen was amazing, and the Galaxy S7 displays 24% brighter than that and has this new personal auto brightness feature which supposedly learns your patterns over time. Um, I think the biggest question right now is Samsung Galaxy S7, Galaxy S7 Edge, great phone or greatest phone? For until, me, until the Note 6 comes yeah, out. I'm a Note fan. <laughs> um, you know, I think you still make an argument for the Note 5 in some ways. I think you could definitely put the Nexus 6P in that conversation, especially if you start talking about value proposition. Um, but I think if you look at the sum of the part of its parts and you're trying to really objectively look at, you know, everything, personally, I think it's hard to argue the S7 Edge is not the best Android phone to date. I mean, uh, best screen, um, you know, 4 gig of uh, RAM, um, you know, Snapdragon uh, SA20, the whole deal. I mean, you know, SD card support, uh, the new camera. IP68 rating, 3,600 milliamp hour battery. Like, if you could, honestly, if you could almost cook up the dream specs with current technology right now in any phone, and then you also said, oh, by the way, let's make the display curved and make a silver version that looks like it's sexy as hell. Like, that's the Galaxy S7 Edge, basically. And, and subjectively, I think it's a great-looking phone. Um, I still... The utility of a curved screen is still a little bit nebulous to me. I'm not sure that I would... I think aesthetically it looks great. I'm not sure there's a lot of practical application to it. You know, again, overall it would be hard, I'd be hard-pressed to argue that... You know, even just the physical size of the phone itself, the S7 Edge, I mean, they managed to, to cram a 5.5-inch screen into a phone that's narrower uh, than the G4 was. Um, so when you get it in your hand, I mean, it's... Especially when you get it next to another 5.5-inch phone like an iPhone uh, 6 Plus, for instance, 6S Plus, um, it, it looks mammoth in comparison. It's, it's, I don't know, as a total package, you know, if you can get past the heavy-handed skin uh, and the high price tag, it checks all the boxes I'm looking for. So let's ask the question, what is missing? What's not to like about the Edge? Like, you can maybe beef because if you want the non-curved screen, you got to go with the Galaxy S7. It's a 5.1-inch display. It's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit more pocketable. But if you want the best larger screen experience, it's all you get is the curved screen display of the Edge, which isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but there's no other option. Is that... Is that really maybe like until the Note 6 comes out, is that the only downside this phone has? I would say you could argue a couple things. You know, it's missing USB Type-C. Um, which, true, true. You know, right now, again, I'm not sure from a utility standpoint that matters that much. But from a future-proofing standpoint, you know, every other flagship that's coming out this year, even dating back to the 6P, is going to have USB Type-C. And, Sam and Samsung did include fast charging and fast wireless charging, too. And they do. And, you know, you have the intangibles like Samsung Pay, which, you know, compared to uh, Android, Pay or um, Apple Pay uh, has considerably more utility since you can use it any anywhere that you know it has MST. You can use it any place that has magnetic strip, normal reader. So you know you have things like that that it has in. 
and you know, I think people basically think that Samsung left the old style USB in there because of uh, the Gear VR. They didn't want to redo it completely, and that makes some sense. I think that's really the only thing from a hardware perspective that you could argue is not, you know, absolutely bleeding edge. And um, I don't know. It's a compelling phone. It's really, really expensive. That's the other main argument against. You know, when you start getting into, hey, is it worth a two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollar premium over a Nexus six P? You know, that's an argument that you could certainly have. But you know, if you're someone that's money no object, I want the absolute best phone on the market with the absolute best of everything. For me personally, the, the S7 Edge is as close as it gets on the market right now. And that's, I think a lot of people would probably agree. I think if you're looking for uh, a recommendation for the phone that you want to have, if you have an Android phone and you, you're looking to upgrade and kind of as Sean P has said, money's no object, the, the S7 or the S7 Edge is probably the way to go. There's uh, there's almost no downside, and the upside of it is basically you're getting the best of everything: design, function, everything. It's it's hard to argue against it. What um, what do you feel? What are your thoughts on the G5? I know that it's been out for a little while now, and uh, in the interest of transparency, it's almost been universally panned by pretty much every media outlet. Um, it. it its launch was met with some hype and some fanfare, but it seems to have really fallen off a cliff since then. What do you think? I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on the pan part. <clears throat> um, I think the Android Police review in particular was, uh, I would argue, is a pan. Uh, the majority of the reviews seem to be on the same page. Um, you know, LG's in kind of a weird place, right? It's they started off really poorly in Android. Uh, they, you know, starting with the G2 though, they really started to turn around. And I think the G2 was at the time almost as good as it gets. Again, you could argue the skin was heavy-handed. And there's some other issues there, but as a total hardware package, you know, it was the first Snapdragon 800 phone. Great camera, 5.2 inch screen with almost no bezel, so it was a great form factor. I owned it. You know, people that owned it. This was the display was amazing. The big battery, battery life was 3,000 mAh battery, dominated. This was big. Yeah. Um, and then the G3 came out with its QHD screen. You know, the first uh, 2K screen, if you will. And uh, despite being a little dim, you know, good progress. I always thought it was a pretty good looking phone. Um, and then they moved on to the G4, and I, I'm not a huge fan of the faux leather, but, you know, I, getting back to it, it's just, in a world where Samsung now makes premium phones, um, because it was easy to attack them, they made plastic phones, so, you know, you, the differentiator that HTC was leaning towards, starting with the M7 and others, is the more premium design. So LG now, you know, they... I give them credit for trying something different. Look, the, the modular design, the removable battery, it's a nice thing to have. Um, you know, for me, I'm not a diehard who needs a removable battery. I just don't. But I get where they're coming from. I, I love that they tried something new in a world of phones that look very, very similar with very similar feature sets. It's nice that they tried something. I, I would just say this. It feels, I, I think they have two major things working against them. The reviews all kind of bear this out. Um, it's a good idea, but it's not finished. It feels more like a beta phone than a finished design. It's There's some build quality issues. Um, there are things about the construction that, even though it's a metal construction, it still kind of feels Is plasticky. It? Is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, we could get into this, and I would argue that, yes, it is indeed a metal phone, despite the... Uh, the lacquer coating, if you will. Look, your car's made of metal, and it's covered with paint, too. Nobody hates on Detroit, man. Come on. It's 
it's not a bad phone. It's just incomplete. I, I, you know, and the reviews, a lot of them say the same thing. It's like this, seeing where the modular design can go and seeing the G6, I think people kind of are like, oh, I'm excited for the G6. But if you're saying that in a review about, you know, the, the G5, that's probably bad news for LG. And that was kind of my take on it. Like, there's initially when you look at this, there's a lot to like about LG. And as an LG owner and former LG owner, I, I've liked a lot of their phones. The G2 was one of my absolute favorites. The G3 was really, really good. My wife owns the G4, and I like it. But when I saw a couple of things, I'm like, okay, what's 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 the G5 got that's kind of compelling about it, right? So um, they downsized the screen. They actually went from 5.5 to 5.3. The IPS LCD tech actually got a little bit better. It's a beautiful display, 554 PPI. Their LCD technology is actually really, really good. Like, I really liked the G3, kind of like you've already noted. It's It was just a little dim. Like, it didn't get super bright outside. And so that was kind of a bummer. But I'm running around with that thing on 60% brightness indoors most of the time, and it's perfectly fine. The only beef, if I had a beef about it, was that it was just a little bit too big. It was a little bit too wide, and my hand got used to holding it, but it was... If they had slimmed it down and made it a little bit taller and a little bit narrower, it would have been a better phone for me. And that's actually what the G5 is. The dual camera setup apparently seems to be pretty good. It's not just a complete gimmick. Um, the wide angle shots from the samples that I've seen so far seem to be pretty good. Um, it, the friends and the modular stuff is I think where everything starts to break down for LG and kind of like you've already said, the rest of the reviews that I've seen are basically the same. Like it feels unfinished. Like it's it the one of the one of the funniest things I think I read was when you're doing a swap out of the battery. It seems like LG specifically designed it to feel like you're putting the magazine of a gun back in. And while that's really cool, I don't know if that's the best idea for building a phone that you're taking out something as often as you might take out a battery. I think all of that's true. I think too. I mean, from just look, this is subjective, but from a look standpoint. Uh, I would put it not in the top tier of good-looking <laughs> phones. I, I'd put it somewhere more mid-pack or lower. Let's call it like it is. That phone ugly. Okay. That I don't know if ugly. I can quite take it that far. I, I think the that other thing ugly. here, it, it's always weird when it feels like a... In some ways, the G5 feels like a step back from the V10, which is a weird thing to say. I mean, you want to see these things progressing forward, but the V10, it's it's a big phone. Um, again, I think the utility of the dual display is a little bit nebulous for me. But the design, I mean, you know, it had the metal rail, and it had that really grippy, uh, thick, rubberized back that feels like you could, you know, run over it with a tank and that thing would survive. Um, you know, it had the, the good cameras, removable battery, SD card support, you know, a lot of the same things we're dealing with here. You know, in some ways, I think I would have rather seen a continuation of that design language. Um, the buttons on the back, again, it may not be my thing, but it was unique to them. And it, it does hold, I can see more utility out of that, quite frankly, than I can see about some of the other things, um, like the dual screen, for instance, on the V10. But yeah, ultimately the G5, I, I don't know. It sounds terrible. There's just something about it that leaves me cold. I, For the price, it would not be at the top of my recommendation list. Um, there's not. nothing really offensive about it either. It's really bizarre. Like I do like that they went a little bit smaller with the screen, the 5.3-inch screen. Um, I think, you know, I've read some of the, the measurements on the screen and you get up to 800 nits, which in daylight is fantastic. Um, but then there's other things like the always-on display, which is so dim you can't see it. I mean, God, if you're outdoors, good luck. And with an LCD panel, that's not exactly the best idea from a battery utilization standpoint anyway. So 
Like, it, and that's kind of the thing. It's just, it's so, it's so much a like prototype or beta type phone from a hardware standpoint that I think you couldn't help but feel like once LG gets this product in the wild, people field test it and then come back and say, okay, you need to fix this, this, and this. Um, it's going to be a great next generation phone. And maybe that ultimately is, and I'll go back to my personal favorite when it comes to these types of devices, the BlackBerry Storm. I freaking love that phone. And it was garbage. It was absolute garbage. Like a display that you can press down, like a physical button and click. The first generation of that phone sucked horribly. And I absolutely loved it. And so there will be people who will probably buy the G5 and who will absolutely love it and stand by it. But I think, kind of as you've already noted, the G6 is probably going to be where uh, LG, if they're going to make any grounds, are, are going to make it. They're going to make it there. It's... <sighs> It's too bad. Like, I, I feel bad for LG. They made so much progress, and they've really come a long way. Um, you know, going back to the Optimus G, they had some real bad phones at the beginning of Android, their Android transition. And they really came a long way. And, and the LG G5, by no means, is a bad phone. Um, I think the problem for them is just... If you ask, what's the price... You know, because dollar for dollar, it costs as much as Galaxy S7. And if you said, why would you recommend the G5 over the Galaxy S7? It's like, unless you have to have a removable battery, like literally it's a must-have for you, I can't think of one good reason why I'd buy the G5 over the Galaxy S7. The friends, man. The friends. Yeah, but the friends right now in the United States, like the hi-fi audio module, you can't even get. Um, it's They've wiped any record of it off of their website, and you can't get it. So that leaves you with the camera module, and it's like, look... Again, there's nothing... I'm just going to say it. There's nothing at all compelling about that camera module <laughs> at all. The best thing you can say is it gives you a little extra battery. I think it gives you an extra 1,000 mAh or whatever. But it's it doesn't do anything. It's just it's not anything worth talking about. And, you know, I've seen people talk about different modules that could make it worthwhile. You know, some cool stuff. Like you could put like a, a video game type controller with a joystick or something in the bottom and... Well, it's all well and good, and I hear that and go, oh, yeah, that could be cool. It's like, if you look at the price of the modules, they'll probably cost you 70 or $100, and it's like, yeah, that's cool, but it's not that cool. Like, And again, from a mainstream standpoint, who's buying that? I really wanted to like the G5, but i got to be honest. If you got to add a bunch of attachments to it to make the phone actually usable, like to make the battery last longer, to use a camera, and or listen to audio files at... Uh, a high bit rate or with lower impedance, then you probably don't want that phone. You want to go out and buy the standalone version of whatever it is that you need, like a digital camera or uh, you know, a portable DAC and amp, something like that. Again, there's nothing bad about it. It's There's nothing wrong with the G5, but there's also nothing where I go, yeah, the G5 really stands out. Or, you know, where I feel like the other LG, like the G2 stood out, man. I mean, it was the first S800 phone on the market um, it had that huge battery, no bezel to speak of. I mean, it was it was ahead of its time. It really was. And, uh, you know, the G3 with first 2K screen available, first, you know, first QHD, and, and it had all of that going for it. And it's still the big battery and the relatively small bezels. And, you know, with the G4, great camera. I mean, I remember when the Galaxy S6 came out, it was like, no one's going to match this this year. And then the G4 came out, and lo and behold, it did. And in some ways, you know, it shot raw right out of the gate, and the GS6 couldn't, took an update to do that. So, you know, there's some really cool things about it. And with the G5, I just sit there and I go, well, it's fine, 
there's nothing offensive about it, although you could argue the design maybe is. But beyond that, it's it's actually not a bad device. It just it's just not a great one. Well, and segueing on, let's let's move right on to the HTC 10. Speaking of HTC 10, look, HTC was dead. I mean, amongst the enthusiasts, like you know, if you go to Reddit, or Android, or or Droid Life, or a number of websites, I think a lot of us had an affinity for HTC. I mean, they. The One X, going back even to that, was one of my favorite designs. Probably my favorite design that year. You Good know, looking fun. The, the White One X was amazing, and then the M7. It was like, wow, this is really ahead of its time. Um, and you know, minus the ultra pixel camera, which was bad to begin with, and then got that horrible purple haze uh, that made it even worse. Um, you know, great phone. Boom. You know, had the the boom sound speakers and all that stuff going forward. It was cool. So then we move on to the M8. Doesn't really address the camera. Still has some issues. Uh, we get to the M9, it's complete train wreck in my eyes. Um, you know, they upgrade the camera, uh, but it's still bad. It's 21 megapixel and it's, it's still bad. Back of the pack. And the design itself is a step backwards for me. That horrible seam on the side uh, felt really unfinished. And, you know, I think I, like a lot of other people, saw the other companies, the G4 was ahead of it, no question in my eyes, and the GS6 certainly, and then the No5, you know, those kinds of things. So I think they were kind of left for dead, right? I mean, you know, a lot of people just kind of gave up and were just, it was a, the vultures were circling, waiting for HTC to go belly up and see who bought them, right? Do you want to know what's really funny about that? Here are the first two notes that I have regarding the HTC 10. And I wrote these down before we uh, set a date for this podcast. But here's how freakishly similar our mindsets are. The first, my first note is, is it really too late to save HTC as a company? And the second note is also a question. Why hasn't someone bought HTC yet? Because they really were dying. They were dying. Their stock watch, I mean, it was, they, look, they were done. I, I was watching everything with them just going, yeah, this company's done. And it made me sad. I mean, it's a weird thing though. Like I've always really admired HTC phones. You know, I've recommended them to people at various points in various generations, as a matter of fact, but I was always like, oh, yeah, someday I'll own an HTC phone and then never bought one because there was always some major defect with their phone that turned me off, right? So, you know, this year, I think everyone was expecting more of the same. More the, trash. The HTC 10, they hyped it, the rumors are coming out, all these things are happening, and everyone just kind of rolls their eyes and go, yeah, we've heard this song and dance before, this phone's going to be the same as everything else, they're going to overpromise, and then it's going to come out, but... Um, you know, Turns out they release it, and the reviews, by and large, are very, very positive. Um, you know, they did a lot of things really right. Uh, they, their skin is actually, I would argue, lighter than LGs and Samsungs right off the bat, which is nice. I've used Sense, and it's not that bad. It's actually really not that bad. And um, my my initial thought for talking about the 10 and this was when the this was when the rumors were still out before the actual announcement my first thought was basically just to play a clip of the original karate kid movie where the the guy from cobra kai is standing over daniel son and going get him a body bag because that was my only thought about htc but it turns out they may have actually made a decent phone for a change look it's again not perfect what is no phones perfect you could argue weaknesses of any phone but um, most of the stuff in my eyes, they got really right. Look, you know, the construction on the back, the metal, everything, I, I like their design. It's a little chubby. It's nine, nine millimeters. But, you know, around the edges, it's three. So it tapers nicely. And, and they have that huge chamfer, which, you know, in the leaks, I was looking at this going, oh, man, that looks just really kind of over the top to me. But, you know, by all accounts in hand, it really makes a nice feel. Um, makes the phone a lot easier to handle, right? And, you know, 
the camera, they've sucked at cameras. I'm just going to say it. Like, they've sucked. I, I can't remember the last HTC phone that I would say has a average or even above average camera compared to their, you know, compatriots of the same generation. But this camera has all the ingredients. I mean, it's an IMX 377. It's the same sensor the Nexus 6P and 5X use. Um, only they added OIS, and it has a 1.8 aperture, so, you know, in theory, more light. Um I've looked at a variety of samples, though, uh, against the iPhone 6S Plus, uh, Galaxy S7, uh, a variety of other phones, uh, G5. Um, they're in the same league, the pictures. Uh, the, the HTC phone still tends to blow out um, light, and the Galaxy S7 can be guilty of this, too, by the way. Um, so there is that, but it's competitive. Like, some in some instances, I actually like the pictures. It takes better than the other phones. In many, I would say it's not as strong, but it's also not completely out of the ball game. It's within the you know conversation. DxOMR ranks it as in terms of raw points as good as the Galaxy S7's camera. Yeah, and I'm going to say this about DxOMR, uh, and I shouldn't because they're professionals, and I'm just some guy that likes to play with phones. Um, they, I don't trust them. Uh, the Z5 was ranked the best phone for a while, the Sony Z5, and uh, in practical application, uh, not so much. Um, and I've seen them also review other phones, and I'm like, mm, yeah, that seems, boy, awfully high to me. And, um, I've, and I've heard people who say the same thing, that the Galaxy S7 module, because of the decrease in megapixel count from 16 to 12, actually takes better pictures in low light because it's looking for... Um, not as much detail and in excellent light or in very good lighting conditions that the decrease in megapixel count actually causes some uh, image quality degradation because of the, the decrease. But, uh, you know, and, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm just some Yahoo who's giving you my opinion, but there are a lot of people who are going to look at that DxO Mark review and say, wow, HTC got the camera module right for a change. It's not ultra pixel garbage. And in terms of the camera module itself, having used the 6P for my for myself and my own personal daily driver, I can say it takes really good pictures. And I'm taking a lot of pictures. Some of my experience is the camera interface because it's the Nexus stock Android picture interface, which isn't um, as fully featured and as robust, we'll say, as other camera software uh, or other phones software. But it, it really does take good quality pictures. They're rendered on a good quality display. And I think the addition of OIS in that camera will help tremendously because if the Nexus 6P's module suffers anywhere, it's in video. And the OIS would definitely, definitely help out with that. And look, you know, a lot of these issues that we're talking about are all processing things, which again have not been an HTC uh, strong point, generally speaking. So wah, wah. I know people don't have a lot of faith in them fixing it, but there is a key difference here, which is that hardware uh, is absolutely top top flight stuff. And so, you know, there's some hope that it can be fixed via updates. Whereas last year, when they cheaped out on the M9 and used some weird Toshiba instead of a high end Sony uh, imaging processor. Uh, not imaging processor, the actual uh, uh, sensor itself. Sensor. They used a Toshiba sensor instead of a Sony, and it was like, yeah, look, no amount of uh, updates on the planet can fix a bad piece of hardware or something that's just not up to spec. So at least in this case, it's like that's a, a high-end piece of hardware, and, and there's hope there. And, and, you know, look, everything else with the phone, uh, nice metal construction. Um, it's got the fingerprint scanner on the front, which I know some people, you know, th there's a lot of argument front and back. I've heard various camps. The back's nice when you're pulling it out of the pocket because it's faster. The front's nice when it's sitting on a desk because you don't pick the phone up. Um, and, you know, it has the capacitive buttons that came back. And I know people lament capacitive buttons, but my feeling on it is this always. 
Um, I'd much rather have capacitive buttons as long as they're leaving the bezel on the bottom relatively small. And as far as HTCs go, the bezel's relatively small. The A9 was much worse. It had that horrible button sensor, but it had on-screen buttons. So not only did it have a huge bottom bezel, but the on-screen buttons took up a good amount of screen real estate, and it was like, to me, that's the worst of all, so this is better. They stuck with a, a reasonable screen, in my estimation size, I think 5.15 is fine. Um, you know, I, I think that's actually the sweet spot for most people, quite frankly. Um, I agree, and I think that uh, one of the things that they have gotten really, really right over the last couple of years, and starting with the M7, uh, is the display. Their 5.1-inch QHD Super LCD 5, um, I've seen a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of displays. I've used a lot of phones, and I think uh, and I, I have very vivid memories of us going to a variety of different carrier outlets and looking at the different phones. The HTC displays have been some of the very very best in terms of LCD. Now you could argue LCD versus AMOLED and whatever your personal preference might be, um, but I think HTC does get their LCD displays right. And I think like and I actually wrote down the same thing that 5.1 is kind of the sweet spot for devices. But uh, I, I you know again there's there's not a lot of downside and I think it's more about HTC kind of catching up to where they should have been a while ago more than them just doing really anything innovative. So as far as their screens go, like I think they actually peaked out with the HTC, uh, the M7, as far as screens, as far as accuracy goes and whatnot. Um, they started making a gradual shift to a cooler color temperature. Um, 6500 is the, you know, dead on. Uh, where you're supposed to be reference number. Apple goes a little bit cool, so a little bit blue there at 7,000. HTC's M7 era were kind of right in that 6,500, you know, plus or minus, plus 200, I think, somewhere in that range. And then their displays started getting progressively cooler, and on the M9, it was actually, I want to say well over 8,000, which is, like, really blue. Um, I actually did not think the M9 LCD was that great of a screen. It felt like they were feeling a financial pinch, and, the screen and the Toshiba source sensor for the camera felt like a company that was cutting corners a little bit to save some cash. But um, the 10, you know, again, full disclosure, I have not had an HTC 10 in my hand. But based off of what I have read, uh, the screen looks promising. And, you know, look, HTC, uh, as I said, lighter skin. They made the decision this time they're not going to double up on apps. They're using mostly Google apps, which is a nice thing. I think, I think all of us were sick of, and Samsung's a really bad offender of this, um, of, uh, you know, it felt like you had two or three apps for everything, right? And, you know, HTC said, hey, we're not doing that anymore. That's and a great so, thing. That's a really great thing. And I think if more OEMs uh, went that direction, I think if, if HTC did nothing with a 10 other than try and start that as a software movement, they probably would have been hailed, at least by me and probably by quite a few other people, as, as a smashing success. So final thoughts on the 10? You so, buying it? So here's the thing. I, I think... Yeah, I mean, 3,000 milliamp hour battery, USB Type-C, and they're using USB Type-C 3.1, so they're actually ahead of everyone else there. Um, the design, there's some aspects that I don't love. You know, they lost boom sound. They have this kind of synthetic, we're going to use the top speaker and bottom speaker to produce something as a woofer or whatever. You know, so it's a little, but again, like, I look at that and scoff, and, and a lot of people do and go, oh, that's way worse than what they were doing before. But if you look at it compared to the Galaxy S7 with its really tinny sounding because of the waterproofing bottom firing speaker only or the G5 that has a Same single thing. speaker, yep. I have to imagine it's going to be better. And and so at the end of the day, like it's a weird thing that's happened. I actually, 
you know, HTC, the consensus is they're back from the dead, certainly. And if you said, you know, if you told me six months ago, look, you would take the HTC 10 before you would take the G5, I would have said, yeah, I don't know what illegal drug you're uh, smoking or, or snorting or whatever, but you should probably stop that. But now, here we are, and, you know, we're in April, and I would go, look, gun to my head, if I had to choose, uh, I would pick up an HTC 10 excuse me, before a G5. Um, I think the Galaxy S7 Edge is still ahead for me. But the HTC 10 is a really compelling phone. And, you know, to segue on from this a little bit, we'll move on to the next topic here. The rumors are rampant that HTC is going to be making the Nexus phones this year. And the rumor is they're going to be making two of them, a smaller, you know, more normal size phone and a phablet. Um, And when that rumor started circulating in February, which is, by the way, about the same time that the Huawei and and LG rumors started circulating last year, that ended up being completely true. um, People were not so thrilled about this idea because... The last Nexus that HTC made was the Nexus 9, which, look, it's fine for what it is, but it's a boring tablet. I think people forgot it, and it was overpriced in my estimation. Um, and their phones had not been great. Um, you know, I, don't, I think their last phone that you would argue was ahead of the pack and compelling was the M7, and that's years ago. And, you know, in the tech industry, it's like, what have you done for me lately, right? So people were not excited, and now... Uh, a week later, as soon as it gets announced, people are excited for HTC Nexuses. You know, you may get the best of the 6P, you get the metal construction that HTC does well and has been doing well for generations. Heck, if they ported over the same camera and you started using Google's processing, it's basically just a really souped up version of what the 6P is using. There's no way it should be anything other than really solid. So, I mean, you know, look, HTC went from dead to the 10 is, I think, automatically on a lot of people's consideration list to the prospect of Nexus HTC phones is now kind of exciting. I mean, what do you think? You have a 6P. You know, if a 7P comes out or whatever HTC calls it, uh, what's your position on this? I, I would have to give... I would probably have to give it consideration, and I really like the 6P. Um, I'd actually, intriguingly enough, be more interested in the smaller size, because if there's one thing about the 6P that isn't necessarily my absolute favorite thing, it's just the overall size. So give me some give me some boom sound and make it 5.275-inch display, and, and we're, we're there. Um, and the ironic thing about this, and maybe after this we'll move on to, to the next device, but the funniest thing that LG and HTC have in common is the phone that they just released actually makes us more excited for what the next phone they're going to release is. Although I think it's a little bit different in this particular instance. I think the HTC is more of a mature design. I think the LG feels more like a prototype. So for me, but I, but I get where you're coming from. And I think the other key point here that is a great piece of news for everyone is this. Last year was awful. And, and what I mean by that is this. The, the Snapdragon A10 issues, which I'm sure everyone's aware of, of the first generation of phones that had it had all kinds of thermal issues. Wait, they had issues? Yeah, I mean, look, the LG G Flex 2, you could use it to cook things. Um, you have the HTC M9, which also had the first units when they were on beta software. I remember the... the first reviewers when they were running it, they would benchmark higher, but again, you know, you, you put the uh, infrared gun on it and read the temperature, and it's like, this thing will melt your skin. I've heard of people um, who took it camping and used it as an emergency fire starter. You know, and then HTC released a series of software updates shortly became before the M9 came out that helped even out performance, but basically what they were doing was just throttling the crap out of the Snapdragon A10. So, I mean, last year, so then what happened was, you know, you had the LG G4 with the S808, which, while not a bad phone, it's like, it really wasn't much of a 
leap forward from the S805, and in fact, the Adreno 418, the GPU, is actually probably a step behind the Adreno 420. Yeah. So it, it was kind of a weird year, you know, the same thing, the Pure Edition's running the S808, um, and you had a variety of OEMs that kind of had to make a decision on, well, you know, am I going for the, the top chip on paper, or am I going to, you know, run something that runs a little bit better, but it felt like a year of compromises, so the S810 flagships, you know, performance really suffered, especially the first ones. The S808, um, while a fine chip is just wasn't much of a move forward. So, you know, it's nice this year already. Every phone that basically has come out feels like a step forward from last year. I think all of them do. And it's just nice to not have to worry about these things. It's like, you know, the things that they're looking at in reviews are more software-related things or, or that kind of thing, whereas last year was more of like, we have an actual hardware problem. So it's nice to have that again. It feels like things have moved forward. The the kind of SA10 thing is behind us, and the flagships this year, by and large, the quality feels quite a step forward from last year. There's definitely more options this year, um, with still you know a full second half of the year to come, with probably a couple more devices down the pike, and and that's a good thing. That's a good thing for tech enthusiasts, and it's a good thing for consumers. What um what are your thoughts on the new iPhone, the iPhone SE? And I believe, and someone from Apple, if you're listening, you can correct me. Uh, SE stands for Special Edition, um, and that's definitely what it is. And uh, my first note on this is, let's bring back small screen phones. Said no one ever. I actually don't agree with that completely. I think there is a subset of people out there that would like a smaller screen phone now. I'm not sure they want to go all the way down to 4 inches. I feel like the sweet spot for smaller phones is 4.7 inches. I think the 2013 Moto X form factor, which was a 4.7 inch screen with almost no bezel, was about perfect for a smaller phone. Or one might say the iPhone 6 is 4.7 inch display size. Yeah, again, it has a lot more bezel, so it's physically a lot bigger. Um, so my thoughts are on this are... Look, I have an iPhone 6 for work. Um, I'm actually not an iPhone hater, uh, not nearly as much as my partner in crime over there. Wait, what? Yeah, I I actually have a lot of respect for what Apple does. I think that their industrial design is really nice, although I, I would argue that the iPhone 5 and 5S design is nicer than the iPhone 6. I, I don't like the antenna lines, mm. um, but or the camera protrusion if we're really getting nitpicky. But um, on that same note, I feel like, you know, by and large, their, their hardware is really, really solid. Um, their software, you know, iOS flies. It's very fast. Um, but, you know, there's some trade-offs, right? It's limited. You can't do as much with your phone, and there's some things you give up with that. Now, um, iPhone 6, the 6S and the 6S Plus sales have been disappointing. Uh, their stock went down just this last week again because uh, the rumor is they're lowering their um, orders for components um, in the wake of disappointing sales. And, you know, look, we hit a saturation point with iPhones. Apple can only do so much. Phones are, you know... Everyone has a smartphone now, and the technology is mature enough that you don't feel the need to buy a phone every year. So Apple's in kind of a weird place of, you know, I, I don't know what they do to grow their market. Uh, and, it, you know, their, their whole claim to fame of the premium thing is like most of the Android OEMs have caught up and in some ways surpassed them. So, you know, we've segued far off the SE. The SE specifically, this is my feeling on it. I like that they made a small phone that has flagship quality specs. Android OEMs do not do this. Agreed. They um, make small phones with cut down everything. You know, you're giving up something. Battery, processor. Small phone means cheap phone, basically. And that's a bummer because not everyone wants... Like, I like mammoth phones. Like, going back to the Note 2, I mean, it was so... 
large compared to the average phone at that time. People used to mock me constantly, and now I mock them right back because everyone has giant phones. So I was just ahead of the curve on that one. I maintain this but, is the same but, guy who's telling <laughs> you that he he actively went out and purchased a device whose code name was Shamu. Yeah, that's true. Although the Nexus Six, yeah, we'll talk about that on another podcast. But uh, oh man, that was a bad experience for me. So back to the SE, I like that it has flagship specs. I like that Apple gives their consumers choice to buy a small phone if they want it. I don't like the size. Um, I always felt like the perfect scenario, and I feel like Android OEMs should do this too, and I don't know why they don't. Release three phones a year, a 4.7 inch with small bezels, a 5.2 inch to 5.3 or 4 inch phone um, with small bezels, and then you know the phablet phone, a 5.7 to 5.9 or 6 if you want to go crazy. Release them all at the same time with the exact same specs and give consumers choice. Um, Apple's the closest to that model, but the four-inch screen is just too small for me. And that's what kills me about this, right? And admittedly, while I am not necessarily an Apple supporter or enthusiast, and I say this as I am reading my notes off of my MacBook, um, it, it seems like Apple was late to the party with driving forward their flagship product with what most consumers seemed to want, which was, at the time, a larger display. So they said, okay, uh, let's move away from the 5S design and let's go with this uh, 6 and and in the subsequent 6S and 6S Pluses, we've got two choices, right? So like you say, here's consumers, here's choice. You've got a 4.7 and a 5.5. You want a giant phone, get the 6S Plus. You want a normal size, quote, unquote phone get the the six the six s and they said okay we're we're moving forward we're recognizing that the market wants this and then wait a minute pump the brakes now we're going to be releasing the iphone and i'm going to continue to call it special edition um device and listen i use the success uh for my work and compared to my 6p it's too small it's just too small if- actually you use a 5s so it absolutely is too small yes because you're back to the four inch. yeah the, the 6s it- the 4.7 is not nearly so bad. Um, it's a it's a, a very usable screen size in my estimation, just slightly smaller than I would like. But yeah, moving when I moved from my 5s at work to my 6, I mean it's it's a considerable difference. And you know, one thing I noticed it's funny. Like I literally use my work phone, my 5s, for email only, and I use my notes for everything else because. I didn't want to deal with anything else on that small screen. So I'd rather literally pull it out, read my email, and then pull out my bigger phone and do it for everything else, right? Now that I have a 6, I actually use it a lot more because I pull it out. It's like, hey, you know what? If I want to look at something online, internet, read news, whatever it is, I can do that on the 6, and it's usable. The 5S screen is too small, and I think that's where I would be with the the SE. and, And I get where you're coming from. I mean, it's just I like the idea of a small, medium, and large phone. Um, I like the idea of flagship specs across the board. I like all of that. Four inches is just too small, and you can insert that that's what she said joke here, but it's, it, it's just, it is. It's, it's, not, it's not enough. Um, I'm glad you went there before I was compelled to go there because I almost did. Uh, in my notes, I have the same thing. Uh, you know, I've got the 5S. It's fine. I can't stand to look at it for more than the time it takes to check a work email. That literally is word for word for what I wrote. But, the you know, it is great that they decided to do something for the segment of the market that is still interested in in their 
5S type form factor. Maybe Apple had a bunch of those shells left over and they said, what the heck, let's just get rid of them. Um, but you know, the, I think there is um, a market for it. What that is, I'm not 100% sure. Um, and if a uh, shameless plug inserted here, you want to read what my thoughts are with that, check out our website and look for the article titled, What Kind of Market Will the iPhone SE Find? But, you know, 3.4 million pre-orders in China? That's nothing to sneeze at, although admittedly those necessarily aren't people plunking their money down to pre-order the phone because it's more like a reservation. And I really believe it is that those people are debating between the choice of rose gold and regular gold. Uh, it's um, the $300, the $399 price tag is probably what's driving some of those sales. It's far and away the cheapest iPhone. I actually think that's the thing that it has going for it most, honestly, is... You know, the barrier to entry in a lot of these emerging markets is the high price tag of the devices. And this may help in a China or India, for instance. Um, it was weird, though. Like, the sales were really not good, the opening weekend sales, according to everyone. Um, and then all of a sudden, it was backordered. Now, that's not to say it was a success. It could just be that the initial orders were a lot smaller than a traditional iPhone launch. So it remains to be seen. But... You know, again, like, I do give them credit for having a smaller phone. Um, I hear this argument all the time that consumers chose large phones in, in Android, and the consumers have spoken. It's like, this is like one of those chicken and the egg arguments of, I don't know if they had to or they were forced to, right? It's like, all the phones got big. That's all they could buy, one. And then two, if you wanted a smaller phone, you basically got a phone that was cut down or bad or deficient, as we discussed. So it's like... You know, I hear this whole thing of like, oh, yeah, the, the consumers, the market moved that way, and that's clearly what consumers want. And it's like, I don't know if I believe that or not. It's not what I want personally. I like phablet-sized phones. But I think it's really hard to say that maybe people didn't want phones that are slightly smaller than where we're at now and just couldn't get anything that was comparable, you know, as a flagship phone that would last them, and so they, they didn't buy them. It, I don't know. I, I'm glad Apple gave their people choice. I'm skeptical of how much of a hit this is going to be. As I said, I think the biggest thing it has going in its favor is it's low price comparative to other Apple products, $399 off contract. Really isn't that bad. You know, the hardware is solid. The camera is really good. The, the A9 chip is still, you know, Apple chips are ridiculously good, except for like the Exynos 8890 and the Snapdragon 820 to some extent. I mean, it's still right there. And, you know, the A10 is going to come out this year and then that may be ahead of the Android OEMs again. So there's a lot to like. I just, I'm clearly not the market and a four inch phone to me seems antiquated. Yeah, what I my last thoughts were the the iPhone SE will likely find its niche, uh, much as all Apple products do. But move along, nothing to see here. There are people who will be interested in it, but I don't know that uh, this is the the direction or the future of of Apple as a company. I think it's more about trying to satisfy. Uh, some people who had decided not to upgrade to the 6 and 6S simply based on the size. They like their 4-inch phone, and by golly, they're going to keep it, and they're probably going to be really, really happy that they have another choice now. And this is probably like, this is a, this is not probably, this is a topic for another discussion, but where does Apple go, right? I mean, like, look, they, they bring out the iPhone, say what you will about it, I don't care even if you're an Android guy. It was ahead of its time, especially from a UI interface, by quite a long way. Um, and then huge hit, right? And then what did they do? They made a bigger one iPad um, and a variety of you know different size versions of the iPhone, basically. And sales have gone up and up and up, and you know they're way ahead from a premium design standpoint. All these things, and this is the first generation of iPhone where the sales are going to go down. And I would argue they haven't had a breakthrough product now um, in 
really yeah. since the iPhone. I mean, you could argue the iPad was to some degree, but it was really just a giant iPhone, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it, the question, you know, in a world where you have a bunch of Chinese OEMs making really good metal and glass phones, and then you have the Samsungs and the big OEMs also making really premium products that are absolutely competitive and, in many cases, hundreds of dollars less. I think you're starting to see some of that weigh on Apple now with their stock price and their sales. And look, this is, you know, next year, this time, they could punch me in the teeth when they bring out something amazing. Maybe the iPhone 7 is going to blow our mind. It looks like they're going to move to OLED screens, for instance, but that's probably not till uh, the 7S, I guess. Um, so this is definitely a topic for another discussion, but I do wonder where they're going. I, you know, they're to me the things that differentiated them, the things that were really driving their growth. Competitors have caught up, and uh, I think it's harder to justify the super premium prices, and I think it's harder for them to stand out. I just their phones did stand out as being better overall in a variety of metrics for a lot of years, and uh, now I think you'd be hard pressed to say that. There's more options, and that's not necessarily a bad thing for for the end user, the consumer, uh, or Apple or any of the Android OEMs because change drives everybody forward. And hopefully, again, as consumers, we all win. So I guess my roundup here as we probably get close to our cutoff time is... Uh, Echoing something that Sean P. said earlier, if you'd told me five months ago that the G5 was going to be worse on paper than the HTC Sand, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, the G5's reviews are kind of mixed, but it seems much, very much so that the 10 is probably going to be a better choice, but um, you know, earning some, some nice marks for its performance in camera, if not necessarily for its design, and the same is probably true of the G5. Um, but there's not really anything more compelling about either of those two phones than the S7 and the S7 Edge right now. That's that's where the smart money's at. And if I was in the market for a brand new phone today, I got to be honest, the S7 Edge is probably where I'm I'm giving my cash to, and uh, that's that's pretty much where I'm at. Yeah, it's been it's been a, you know it's been a great year, and you know looking forward um, to some of the other kind of rumors that are roaming around there out now uh, today. The the Galaxy Note 6 rumor is out. You know, it's a lot of the same QHD screen, but it looks like the screen size is going to increase about an inch, 5.8, 5.77 technically. Um, it's going to be waterproof, presumably USB Type-C, I guess we'll see, but 3,700 milliamp hour battery and the coup de grace, 6 gigabytes of RAM. Um, because we absolutely need as much RAM in a mobile smartphone as most f- laptops on the market today are being sold with. And the logical part of my brain goes, man, I think you could really have a nice smartphone that runs perfectly well on two two gigabytes of RAM, but the spec whore in me goes, bring on the six. But, um, you know, look. Hashtag why not? I I can't wait for the Note 6 later this year. Um, You know, based on the strength of the phones in the first half of the year, it's like I'm really expecting great things from them. The rumors seem to indicate they're going to come out a a month earlier than you. You know, the Note 5 came out in August, um, notes previously come out more in the October, November time frame. And it looks like this year they might bump it back again to like July, August time frame to beat the, uh, seven. What are we at? Seven. What's the iPhone? iPhone seven plus, I guess it's going to be, um, yeah. Or, or seven and seven S maybe. I have no idea what they're going to do, but seven, you know, seven plus what, whatever the Apple big phone is, they want to compete with that bad boy. And you know, so you have that. And then, um, I'll be really interested to see if LG does a successor to the V10, uh, and you know if they do, it'll be interesting to see do they do they take the design language of the G5 and kind of adapt that to a bigger phone, or do they you know do they keep the dual screen thing? Do they kind of you know treat it as own separate thing and it's a continuation of the of the you know previous generation V10? I, I don't know, but I'm excited to see it. 
Um, you have the HTC Nexus phones. Uh, and then you have Motorola's flagship, which is floating around out there. We haven't talked about this, but uh, the, the name's terrible. I think it's like the G4 Pro or something, which, you know, the Moto-Lenovo bastard relationship, whatever you want to call it, uh, Moto-Lovo, I, I don't know, Larola. Um, Moto-Larova? Yeah, there was a picture that leaked out of an unreleased phone, and it's kind of a... It looks similar on the top, maybe, to the X-Pure Edition, but on the bottom... It has a chin with a really funky square-looking fingerprint reader, which I look again. I like to reserve judgment on phones until I see the finished version and see it in my hand because pictures often don't tell the story. But man, that chin so far—it is an ugly thing. And, and then EV leaks has confirmed that indeed the fingerprint scanner does look like that. So it is going to be this ugly square thing on the bottom of it. And you know, so I'm kind of, It's funny. Motorola under Google was flying kind of high. People were kind of excited. Their cameras were still garbage, but they made some, you know, the Moto X phones were interesting. I don't know on this one, man. The G4 Pro, I've almost forgotten about it. I mean, you know, as I'm listing off phones for the end of the year, it's like I almost missed it. And so far, the only impression I have is, man, that is an ugly fingerprint scanner. Uh, not exactly. A what good are you place excited? To start. What are you, are you excited at all for any of these? What's your What's your feeling? What do you want to see? Uh, at this point, honestly, the only thing that really is going to float my boat is probably going to be what HTC does with the Nexus. Um, I'm really, really enjoying going back to the stock Android experience. Um, Huawei came in and and really, in a lot of ways, hit it out of the park with their first uh, debut as a Nexus partner. Um, I, I honestly think that. If HTC can can do some good things with the 10 and get some some people to rally behind their position, and if they can just kind of keep it going with both of the new Nexus devices, that really nice metal premium feeling hardware made it with a stock Android experience. I mean, let's be honest. I remember the days when I was sitting up at my bedside table, uh, you know, trying to squeal in silence at midnight because I just got the freaking Froyo update to my phone. Like I was so excited because that was going to bring a whole new experience of Android to me. And in some ways it actually did. And in some ways it was horrifically disappointing, but uh, Android's come a long way. And and Marshmallow is is good. It's a polished product. Material design is good. The the apps for the most part are really usable and functional. That you don't need third party extras, except for maybe the Google Now launcher, which um, you'll you'll never get any arguments against Nova from me. But I really am looking forward to the Nexus experience uh, as provided maybe by HTC. I'd love to comment on Marshmallow, but alas, my flagship Note Five does not have it on T-Mobile. Inexplicably. Verizon and I think I think Sprint and maybe at and I'm not sure all three anyway. All of them, T-Mobile that usually is on top of it, no, nothing. Um, I'm not bitter at all, as you can tell. Um, but uh, no, I agree with you. I think mature, you know, Android as a platform is matured to the point of, you know, look, having the newest and greatest OS to me is not what it used to be. There's some nice stuff in each revision, but it's like there's nothing where I'm like, man, that's really a huge step forward anymore. We, we just have hit that point, I think. But no, I'm with you 100%. I, you know, the Nexus phones are always exciting. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do a tablet again this year, although this is another topic we'll have to discuss at some point. The state of Android tablets makes baby Jesus weep. Um, it bad. is so it's bad. Really it is, bad. It is Very just bad. awful. People ask for recommendations and like buy an iPad and don't look back, which and is, move on. you have no idea how much that pains me. But, um, yeah, look, exciting year, great stuff. You know, 
everything's so mature now and the hardware that's coming out is so good. It's like you can nitpick this stuff, but 2016 so far has really started off well. Um, you know, even the G5, if you consider it a misfire, still a really good device. And so uh, I'm excited to see what comes next. And, uh, man, we got to wrap this thing up. If you made it to the end of this bad boy, I didn't think we'd talk for an hour, but... Good on you. If you made it this far, good on you for listening. And uh, as you've heard, we've got lots of topics to cover in future podcasts. We uh, we appreciate you taking the time very much. So we uh, we want to give a few shout outs to uh, the people that uh, in our families have supported us and encouraged us to get this far. And, and this really is a, a long time coming in a labor of love. So we hope you had as much fun uh, listening to this as we had discussing it. Uh, you've been listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Later. Thanks, guys.